Hello, I'm Claire Prentice, a Senior Associate in Travis Smith's Incentives and Remuneration team. In this podcast, I'm joined by the team's Knowledge Council, Kalsoom Hardy, to discuss the importance of understanding your worker supply chain from an employment tax perspective. Working practices have evolved in recent years, with many people opting for the flexibility that working as a self-employed contractor can provide. Equally, businesses with fluctuating staffing needs can find it more practical and economical to engage workers as and when required, rather than take on longer-term employees. As Kalsoom will now explain, whatever its reason for engaging workers, it is vital that the business checks and fully understands the supply chain they are being provided through. Thanks, Claire. Uh, A business really needs to understand its worker supply chain for a number of reasons, not least because it could find itself in the unfortunate position of having to pay tax and nicks in respect of a worker, even though it doesn't actually employ them. Um, If it isn't aware of the tax charges and doesn't pay them on time, then the business might incur the additional cost of interest and penalties. And on top of this, getting your tax wrong leaves you open to more compliance checks from HMRC and could even cause reputational damage. And obviously, the longer the supply chain, the more complicated it can be to work out your exposure to these risks. This is clearly an important issue. How can tax and NICS charges like this arise? Where the supply chain is short, for example, the business engages with the contractor direct, it's a bit easier in some ways because you've got all the facts available to you and you know what you're dealing with. But even in these circumstances, there are still PAYE risks because even if you treat the worker as self-employed, they might actually be an employee. And as I'm sure many of the listeners will be aware, deciding whether or not somebody is self-employed or employed isn't always straightforward. You need to look at a lot of factors, such as the level of control exercised over the worker, whether the worker is required to provide personal service or can provide a substitute, and the extent to which they are integrated within the business and lots of other factors. It's a very fact-specific test and even one that the courts and HMRC struggle with. But to help, the revenues developed an online tool called Check Employment Status for Tax, or CEST. And CEST asks for information about the arrangement and you input this into the online tool and then you get an outcome which will be uh, an indication that this is an employment relationship, self-employment, or sometimes it might say it can't decide whether it's one or the other and it's inconclusive. And it's it's certainly worth noting that CEST is only as good as the information fed into it. And the way workers are engaged can vary significantly. So it's not particularly surprising that it reportedly gives an inconclusive result in about 20% of cases. And it's also worth bearing in mind that CEST is only the revenues interpretation of the law. And although they've said they will stand by the conclusions given by CEST, provided you've actually put the right information into it, that doesn't necessarily mean that a court would take the same view. That's a useful reminder of how tricky it can be to work out whether a person is employed or self-employed. But this has become more of an issue for companies recently, hasn't it? Yes, that's right, Claire. Um, Some workers choose to provide their services through an intermediary, and this will usually be a company that they own and is generally called a personal services company or a PSC for short. And I'm assuming that most listeners will have heard of the off payroll rules and are familiar with how they work and will also be aware of the changes that were introduced a year ago for medium and large end clients in the private sector. If you need a reminder of these, then uh, please do look at the briefing notes that we've got on our website that has a series of questions and answers that explains these rules and the changes that were made. But in summary, the change means that when businesses engage a worker and there's an intermediary like a PSC involved, the business has to work out whether if you ignored the existence of the intermediary and treated the worker as engaged directly by the business, the worker would be its employee for tax purposes. 
If it would, then the business has to pay tax and NICS and apprenticeship levy if relevant on the fees it pays to the intermediary. When they had to prepare for the new rules, businesses had to look at all their existing arrangements to see if they fell within them. And then they also had to make sure they had really effective systems in place to check the position each time a new worker is engaged. And it's fair to say that this was quite a lot of work for businesses initially, but it became less of a headache once a really good process was set up and the off-play payroll compliance was allocated to a personal team that was adequately trained, resourced and supported. Good communication with the workers' line manager is a key part of this because applying the off-payroll rules shouldn't be seen as a one-off exercise just carried out at the time the new rules were introduced or simply when a new worker is taken on. It's something that needs to be reviewed on a regular basis because for longer-term workers, it's uh, possible that somebody who is on the self-employed side of worker status has slipped into a relationship that looks more like employment. To help businesses adjust to the changes, uh, the revenue started by taking a softer compliance approach for the first year. This honeymoon period, however, ended in April and the revenue will now expect businesses to, to apply the rules properly and may well inspect businesses to check that they've got adequate processes in place for them to do that. So if you are a business that engages workers through PSCs, now is a really good time to take stock of how things have gone over the past year, whether improvements can be made and perhaps even audit the decisions you've already made. It's particularly important to do this where you've taken the view that the off-payroll rules don't apply to you as the end client in respect of a particular worker because they're providing a fully contracted out service rather than services. Something that starts as an output-based arrangement can, over time, slip into one that's within the off-payroll rules. The important takeaway here is to regularly review your worker arrangements and keep on top of your off-payroll compliance. Not only do we expect HMRC to take a greater interest in this, but it's also an issue that is coming up in due diligence on transactions. Having an effective system in place to deal with off-payroll compliance is definitely important. A business will know that it needs to think about off-payroll when it contracts with the PSC direct, but there might be some cases where a PSC, or in fact another kind of intermediary, is involved further down the supply chain. Yes, that's right, particularly where, as is often the case, an agency is involved. A business might contract with an agency that in turn sources workers using PSCs. If the business doesn't carry out a proper employment status assessment under the off-payroll rules and doesn't notify the relevant parties, it can find itself liable for tax and NICS on the workers' fees, even though it isn't the party that actually pays them. It's therefore really important to find out whether or not there are any PSCs in the supply chain. If there are PSCs in the supply chain, you need to also check whether the agency or any of the agencies in between you and the PSC are based offshore, because this could leave you with the tax and NICS obligation. And in fact, if there's any offshore element to the supply chain, this should be a trigger for you ask, to ask more questions. You need to also be satisfied that intermediate agencies are financially sound, because if they can't pay the tax and NICS that they owe under the off-payroll rules, HMRC can look to recover them from you as the end client, although they have said they won't do this in cases of genuine business failure. There's other situations where the off-payroll rules can apply that don't involve PSCs. I think these are likely to be quite rare, but they do include a situation where a worker is engaged by a third party, has an interest in that party, for example, it holds shares in it, and receives payments that represent the fees they have earned, which aren't taxed as employment income. This could happen, for example, where a worker has shares in the agency and receives a payment for the work they do for you in the form of a loan. In that case, the agency could be an intermediary and you as the business would have to apply the off-payroll rules. 
but it sounds as if businesses might need to ask quite a lot of questions before taking workers on. I wonder how comfortable they will be about doing it. I agree that commercially it might seem really awkward to have to probe into supply chains like this, but I think it's necessary given the risks. It's important to also have indemnities to cover unexpected PAY and NICs, but these won't be of much use if the other party's gone bust or just refuses to pay. HMRC might even use their powers under criminal law to prosecute or impose fines on businesses that don't have reasonable procedures in place to prevent tax evasion in their labour supply chains. So it's best to flush out any issues at an early stage. And to my mind, reputable operators will expect questions and should be able to respond to them. OK, so businesses taking on workers need to, one, carry out due diligence on worker supply chains to see whether there are any intermediaries involved. Two, if there are intermediaries, then they need to activate their off-payroll procedures. And three, extra vigilance is needed if there is an offshore element or long supply chains involving lots of parties. Even if there aren't intermediaries, a business could be at risk of paying employment taxes in other ways. There's been a lot of coverage in the press about umbrella companies. Yes, we've seen the term umbrella used quite a lot in the media recently. An umbrella is usually a company that employs individuals who supply services as contractors. Sometimes they do this on behalf of an employment agency. The umbrella company pays its employees a salary and operates PAYE. For individual workers, umbrella companies can be a practical alternative to operating through a PSC, and there appears to have been a growth in their popularity. Some have suggested that this is due to the off-payroll rules making PSCs less attractive to workers and end clients alike, and others have suggested that the lack of financial support available to PSCs during the COVID pandemic has made people move away from them. Either way, it seems that whilst many umbrella companies pay their employees into that tax properly, there are a few rogue operators out there. Mini umbrella fraud is something HMRC is particularly aware of and involves people setting up umbrellas to avoid VAT and employer NICs. Other ways in which some umbrellas have been used to avoid taxes by paying their workers in disguised remuneration, such as loans, or even deducting PAYE, but then not paying it over to the revenue. You certainly wouldn't want to be caught up in these sorts of arrangements, but what are the risks if you are, and what steps can you take to identify them? There are a number of steps companies can take when checking their supply chain, and HMRC have produced guidance on warning signs to look out for. These un include unusual company names, overseas directors, and the umbrella having a business activity listed on company's house that doesn't seem to relate to the services being provided by the workers. The revenue make the point that as these kinds of non-compliant umbrella company are low down the, the supply chain, it can be a challenge to spot them. If you end up dealing with an umbrella company that evades tax, the business could be at risk of the criminal penalties mentioned previously. If it operates a tax avoidance scheme, not only do you risk receiving a penalty, but your business could also be named as a tax avoidance enabler. In addition to this, if the umbrella company is based offshore and there's no UK-based agency in the supply chain, you could find yourself liable for any unpaid income tax that comes from the use of the tax avoidance scheme. So if you do find there's an umbrella company within the supply chain, it's a good idea to check that tax is being deducted properly from payments made to the end workers. HMRC has produced some helpful guidance on how to reduce your risk of using an umbrella that operates a tax avoidance scheme. Do you think this means you should ask for a copy of the workers' payslips? Potentially, yes, although it will depend on how you assess the risk. I understand that it's becoming relatively normal to ask the provider of the worker services for an insurance that all umbrella companies are based onshore and employment taxes being operated properly and hope they get an honest answer. 
This is an area where the government is looking to crack down on unscrupulous providers, and there might be some level of regulation for umbrella companies in the future, which should help um, end users satisfy themselves that the umbrellas they deal with are acting properly. We've looked at the off-payroll rules and umbrella companies, but there, there are other circumstances where you could be liable for the tax and nicks of the worker, aren't there? Yes, if a worker is being supplied through an agency, then there are special rules that will treat the agency as its employee for tax purposes and require it to operate PAYE on payments receivable by the worker. If the agency is based offshore and there's no other UK entity in the supply chain, you as the end client can be liable if this tax is unpaid. Finally, end users need to check that their workers aren't being provided through a management service company or MSC. An MSC is the type of intermediary company through which workers provide their services. Unlike a typical personal services company, the worker doesn't exercise control over the company, although they will usually be a shareholder of it. And the arrangement is usually devised by another entity known as an MSC provider. Where there's an MSC, special anti-avoidance rules treat all payments received by the individual workers as subject to PAY and NICS. Although primary liability for paying PAY and NICS rests with the MSC, if it doesn't pay the tax due, HMRC can transfer the debt to other parties, including the end user, but only if they are actively involved in the MSC arrangement. It's worth noting that if you choose to contract out your status assessment to a third party checking service and they offer insurance against an incorrect determination, you need to uh, be careful that this doesn't create an MSC arrangement. So, in summary, Businesses engaging workers need to carry out due diligence on their worker supply chain, ideally all the way back to the worker. If there are any PSCs or other intermediaries involved in the chain, then the off-payroll rules need to be considered, and you need to ensure that you have an appropriate process for applying the rules when a worker is first engaged and for reviewing the arrangement. If agencies, umbrella companies or MSCs are involved, you need to make sure that the worker is being taxed appropriately. Ideally, you should keep a list of approved entities you've dealt with in the past and you consider to be reputable. If a worker is to be provided by someone not on this list, then more questions need to be asked. Any offshore element in the supply chain should be looked at carefully. And finally, make sure your agreement with the entity supplying labour to you contains warranties to the effect that payments along the supply chain are taxed appropriately and indemnities to protect the business against any residual liability for any failures. Thanks, Kalsoom. It sounds like businesses don't need to be discouraged from engaging workers as long as they have in place effective due diligence and compliance processes. Now that we can expect HMRC to take a stricter approach with the off-payroll rules and has unscrupulous umbrella companies within its sites, this is a good time to double-check that the systems you set up a year ago still work as they should. Hopefully this has given you an idea of some of the things you need to look out for. Thanks for listening. <laughs>